Hello and welcome to this edition of the Currency of Truth. And Bill, uh, we're going to continue with our interview with Vandell from Black Swan Capitalist. What do you think, Bill? I think it was an awesome interview. And um, I think the people, you know, I got a lot of feedback from the first part. And I think people are going to be pleasantly pleased with part two. Well, let's get into it. And remember to check out one of our affiliate sponsors, Glint Gold. Where you can buy, send, spin, and save gold. It's a great product, Randall. I, you know, I got my card and I've been using it and, and it works great. You're absolutely right about it, Bill. All right. Well, let's get into this interview. Getting back to, you know, I, I want to come back to some of our, our resources because we really do want to educate people. So we talked mm, about sure. assets like gold um, and silver. We talked about crypto. Um, Randall and I are also really talking a lot about AI and what that offers in the community and in and, and some of the actually concerns we should have and so we know that there are a lot of ai companies we should be investing in but we also know that ai is really going to penetrate the workforce market in the u.s and it's going to have a dramatic effect on those who are on the lower educational spectrum and also some of your white collar jobs are going to lose their jobs to to Mm -hmm. ai so what can people do or what are some of the things they should be thinking about as ai gets more involved in our society First of all, I'm happy to be here. It's so refreshing to speak with people like yourselves, like-minded that really know what's going on and that are trying to spread the message. Yeah, definitely. Um, That's actually 100% going to happen. And you're already seeing it happen, but at a very slow pace. So for example, at a post office, you know, you you would have the guys um, rearranging the the mail and the post. Well, there's actually, I, I would call them robots, but it's really programmed machinery that's picking up the mail and moving it and dropping it in the certain box where it's supposed to go. So I don't understand the logistics behind what they do exactly, but that's already happening. So you see my point, it's already happening. And there's this technology company that I would see ads of on on YouTube, they're promoting ads, and basically they're targeting um, fast food restaurants. So if you, I watched the whole ad just to see what they were trying to, what idea they're trying to sell and concept. And it's a whole, you know how you go into a fast food place. There's a Wendy's, a McDonald's. You got maybe several people working there, right? A few people working there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, this machine operated, its program does everything from the French fries to flipping the burgers, all from one machine base with like an octopus with like uh, several several machine arms. And it does everything and it's programmed to do it perfectly. And you would have two people operating this. So that's probably a manager and a supervisor. So there you go. That's already eliminating jobs. I don't know. I haven't seen it personally where they're doing it in any restaurants or fast food places, but it's coming, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of time, you know. Um <laughs> So yes, it's disrupting the workforce and it's about it's actually about to get worse. But what can we do? What's the solution? The solution is prepare yourself by educating yourself and becoming almost invaluable in the workforce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So arming yourself with a skill that will be needed in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. That's the best thing you could do. The best investment you can make is in yourself. Besides cryptocurrencies, besides gold 
any asset class is yourself. That's number one. And that's knowledge and education with a skill set. Because if you have, a, for example, I'll give you the skill set that will be um, not be replaceable. It's the ones who are programmers. Because who programs the AI? A programmer. Yeah, programmers, you mechanics, you know, the, the people who, who fix the robots. Uh, yes, yes, there you go. <laughs> that's an be... example. Cybersecurity. Right. We have cyber threats growing rapidly more than ever, and it's going to continue to increase um, cybersecurity. So things of that nature. Um, skill sets that are going to be in demand, because right now the colleges are still pushing uh, classes and degrees in education that are actually not going to be here in the next 20 years because AI will replace them, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and you know, Vandell, one of the things that, that um, I talked to Randall about a lot, and people aren't understanding this, and, and I think you will, of why I know you do, um, is because of AI and because of the transition that we're going to have, not only in our financial um, um, space, but in our workforce space is people really are going to struggle finding jobs. And so we have a lot of people talking about a UBI, universal basic income. Mm -hmm. And actually I live in Hudson, New York, as well as Randall. And, and we are actually doing one okay. of, one of uh, uh, um, the Yang um, pilot programs right here in Hudson right now. We're doing a UBI pilot in, in Hudson. And really, I believe that's Yeah. It's okay. really interesting how it's going. So, um, but I believe that um, that conversation is really going to pick up steam as AI get more involved in the community. And one of the things I think was is going to give AI steam um, is is the fact is if the U.S. were to adopt some form of a digital dollar, and and as you know, there's a lot of talk about whether it's a CBDC, a stable coin, what have you. But if the U.S. adopts some form of a digital dollar and is able to distribute that dollar rapidly through possibly a Fed now, um, you will see UBIs more prevalent, I, I believe, in the U.S. Yes. Um, so first of all, universal basic income. I think they started getting people comfortable with that as a test during the uh, 2020 uh, mm -hmm. pandemic. Okay. Because there was a large portion of the population where, you know, they shut down businesses. I said, go home. And what did they do? They sent out free money to people. That's basically a UBI, right? Mm -hmm. That's a universal basic income on a small scale. Mm. Now, um, so they already got people comfortable with it. And, um, you know, for the most part, most people were okay with it. So that already took place. Now, the thing is, as the AI starts to grow and disrupt the jobs and the workforce, yes, UBI will become more important. And I think that's one of the reasons why they have such a huge focus on universal basic income or a central bank digital currency, because there will be some point in time where the employment will not, there won't be enough in, in, in positions and work within the workforce workforce for the um for the lower uh jobs in the economy so they're preparing and that's i think one of their plans because they're going to have to be able to provide some sort of funding and money to people 
to to live and take care of bills, family, put food on the table, rent. And right now you're already seeing this disruption on a small scale. But the thing is, how could they get people to really adopt the UBI? Um, there's many ways, but most likely it's going to be in the strict guideline that they follow every time. They create a problem, people have mm-hmm. a reaction, and then they offer a solution. And they already had the solution to the problem they created in the first place. See, elites, they always plan way ahead, okay? Because if they don't plan ahead, then they're they're planning to fail. And they don't fail. This time, hopefully it's different. But, you know, that's how they operate. So universal basic income, um, that's a threat to our freedom, actually. Because if they can control your money, you think they can control your money now, but not really, you know. Um, there's a lot of processes and things that have to be done to, um, basically stop somebody from buying something and you have to have a a good reason to do it. The government does, but if they could just switch things on and off because your universal basic income is connected to your digital wallet, which is connected to your digital ID, which is in their database, that's a flip of a switch, literally, you know, and that's, that's a huge threat. And that's 100% control given to the tyrants. This this is is one of the reasons, again, a a big reason why Randall and I started starting our page is we were like, look, we don't want to come out here and scare people. um, Because what I tell people in my family, Vendell, is, look, whether you get a stable coin or or central bank digital currency or CBDC, truthfully, I don't care. Right. I, I mean, I care that we have it, but I don't want my my family to get focused on. And I don't want my friends to get focused on the fact that that may happen because it looks like our government is moving that way. What I am telling them is because you know that that may happen, you need to have your own separate investments, your own separate assets. So when it does happen, yeah, let them give you a universal basic income. Let them give you a digital currency and you spend that as they tell you to, but the, the, the money that you have on the side, you use that for all the other things that you are looking to do as a person where you're not trapped in the system. Because I firmly believe, should you allow yourself to get trapped in the system like like we do now with, with um, our Social Security, I mean, our welfare system and food stamps, people that get trapped in it, it's difficult to get out of that system now. If they put you in a digital system, it is going to be very, very difficult to get out yeah, and actually, you're absolutely right, William. I agree with you 100%. And that's the whole point. You want to at least position yourself and have some stake in the game of owning your own assets so that if they do pull this move, at least you'll have some sort of protection. You won't have to rely on it 100% for survival. And the the unfortunate thing is most people are in that category where they will have to rely on it because if you look at, I mean, I'm not trying to be negative, but I look at the facts and the data and, you know, credit card debt is at all time high mm-hmm. household debt, all time high. Uh, the country's debt is at all time high and people have the lowest amount in their savings account than they've ever had in history. And inflation's at the highest it's ever been in history because all you got to do is look at the prices on and the tags um, that's enough for you to know right there. Um, so the, what I'm trying to say is that's already happening right now, but there's still time 
to prepare and actually make certain decisions that could set you up for freedom and so that you don't have to rely on them. And that's the thing. You want to prepare strategically by making smart investments, even if it's just a little bit, so that at least you have some sort of chance of staying out of this this ty- tyrannic system, tyrannical system, you know? And I know, so, I know so you don't want to be, oh, let me ask this question, Bill. I, I know you don't want to be negative, but uh, there are a lot of things happening. There are a lot of concerning things happening. Can you put on your, your, your global hat, your global viewpoint, and look back uh, and, and sort of, I don't know, predict how do you see, let's say, the near term in the next year? What do you see are some possible important events and how can people, and this is a big question. So yeah. uh, and how can, and how do you think people should be starting to prepare for them? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, that's actually very important because we're so focused on just the now that we kind of forget what's really happening in the world and how it can affect our daily lives at mm-hmm. some point. So first of all, you need to make sure you have the most basics at your home at all times. I mean, that means food, water, things for your children, whatever, toilet paper, diapers, just have enough the basics. I mean, if you looked at the World War II and our our great-great-great-grandparents, they would save up things because they knew that certain items you're probably not going to come around for a long time and you probably would need it. So that's a very good and beautiful habit that we need to apply ourselves into. Are you saying world. a month supply or are you saying six months supply or three months? I mean, it depends on your circumstance, but how yeah, do you definitely. How, 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 how stocked up are you? I'm stocked up for at least two and a half years. So wow, I've been stocking okay. up for, for a lot. I've been stocking up for a long time Okay. by the, and you know, I'm, I'm thankful to God that I've had this opportunity, but I've been doing it little by little. Okay. And so as my brother, my family, you know, just little, and I'll give you an example. If I go to the grocery store, I buy some things, I'll go to the can aisle and then I'll grab two cans of chili. For example, it's very affordable. You know what? A dollar something, you know, for each one. So I'll grab two when I get home. Those two we put in a storage or I have our other storage in Houston. I'm in Dallas right now. Mm-hmm. But the point is, every time I go to the store, I try to grab something extra. And I add it to the stock supply. Because if you look at, yeah, just don't overwhelm yourself with going crazy with a basket, running through the market, buying whipped cream and a hundred things you don't need. Just when you go to the store, just throw in something that you might need well, yeah, or that you might about, use. And you're talking about non-perishables. Yes. You know, non-perishables. Things, things that, that you can store. I mean, I don't think that it's, you know, bunker time to be in America, no. but there is time to be concerned <laughs> to say, okay, well, let me prepare. And as you say, I think when you don't want to be the last one to try to be prepared in this, in this transition, because would you say that maybe – the you know the precipitous event or the precipitating event to putting all these other currencies uh, and all these things in place 
the shock to the system that makes it necessary um, to do all this stuff may be, you know, somewhat a, 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 a hyperinflation of the dollar. Yeah, God forbid. I hope it doesn't come to hyperinflation. But uh, by the way things look is, you know, inflation just keeps increasing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you see it when you go to the grocery store. You see it with your rent for your home, your apartment. That's not changing. It's continuing to increase, even if they raise interest rates. Now, the thing, the Federal Reserve, they have a tool. And that's raising interest rates is one of them. They raise interest rates so they could slow down the economy, people's spending, uh, economic growth. That's the whole point. But it's really an illusion because they've been raising interest rates for a while now. And inflation is still high. Mm-hmm. I mean, all you got to do is look at the past 10 years. You know, several years ago, you could get a nice one bedroom apartment in Houston for several hundred dollars. Now it's like two grand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if they're raising interest rates or not. It's an illusion. It's just an illusion. Maybe short term, it can affect inflation on on their database and the metrics they use that they show the public. But in real terms, your dollar is still getting weaker no matter what they do. Just give it a year or two, and it's going to buy less than it did today. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes. So you want to you want to prepare by having the basic necessities and daily things that we take for granted. Because in the 2020 pandemic, well, this was a reality, and unfortunately, I lived through it because I wasn't prepared at the time. But once we knew what was really going on, we tried to go to this store and we had a very difficult time in Houston. It's a big city. You know, we had a difficult time trying to purchase water. Mm-hmm. So I was running around to grocery stores all over town trying to get water. And thank God we had a friend actually that uh, owned a gas station and he sold us. He gave us some water, um, but we didn't have any extra water at home. And we happened to find ourselves in that situation. And even food too. I was going to different grocery stores trying to get food and I would go to Kroger, Randall's. These are popular grocery stores in Houston. And I would go into the store just trying to get the things I normally would get, but they were all out. Everything was off the shelves. The meat, there was no meat. I went to the pea section, the frozen section. And I swear, I'm not even kidding. There was just two bags of peas over there. (laughs) I grabbed one of them and the guy behind me with his wife, They say, are you really going to eat that? (laughs) I said, if I have to. So I put it in the bag, you know, because I didn't know what the situation was going to be like in the next few days. So I threw in the bag, took it. And thank God, you know, the situation got better over time. Um, But the point is, uh, crisis. Did you ever have to eat the peas? Yeah, yeah, I definitely use that. You got to get your greens and fiber, you know. (laughs) But, but yeah, Randall, um, what I was saying was that, um, yeah, you couldn't get toilet paper. You you know what happened with that, right? I it do. was very. Yeah, we, we had it. We had a similar situation here. So financially prepared, like as you mentioned, you can't buy. Um, well, you can buy U.S. Treasury bonds, but we know what's happening with them. You 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 discussed that. You discussed the value of the 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 dollar. 
what what contingencies should you buy on this? We have uh, Glint Gold is one of our uh, sponsors uh, for okay. this program, and that allows people to buy uh, gold and and have reserved and use it on, on a credit card. How else should people diversify? I mean, you know, the savings bonds and the stuff stick sticking your uh, money under mattress uh, doesn't seem to be a feasible thing. Yeah, well, I have a comment on that. So right now, banks are insolvent. They're in they're they're really broke and it's very serious. And a lot of mainstream media is not talking about that. They're talking more about, you know, politics and other economic issues happening in the world. But the banks are almost like the um the the foundation of the whole system running. You know, if the banks go down, the whole system will free will go on freeze. Now, the thing is this, the banks are insolvent. That means they're broke. They don't have money. And if something happens to a bank, people think, oh, well, my bank has the FDIC sticker on it. <laughs> Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. It, it's basically an insurance company. Uh, basically that if you lose money in the bank or something happens, the bank will give you up to $250,000. It's insurance. And most American banks, they are FDIC approved. So they have this insurance to cover you and pay you back if something happens. But a lot of people don't know this, but the FDIC is broke. That's real data. The FDIC, the insurance company itself, okay. that is supposed to insure people if something happens, they are broke. So the FDIC, they insure up to $9 trillion in U.S. deposits. Around the United States. So now I've heard you say on a previous show, and and correct me if I'm wrong, that you know sure. if you have a money market, money markets are instantly redeemable. Let's say if you have money and you're you know you, you get a money market, they have to honor that and give you money. If you have money in your account and the bank doesn't have money, then you know then they don't have money. Is that correct? Do I have that right? Yeah. Well, the thing is, I wouldn't even trust that to be honest, because right okay. now the whole system is fragile. So really everything, even it's all contracts. Mm -hmm. Everything's on paper. So that means there's third, there's counterparty risk. You mm -hmm. know, even, I mean, yeah, it's all, it's all on paper. It's all contracts, you know, so there's still that risk there. The well, only other thing than in Glenn, my opinion. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Randall. Well, no, 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 no. When you said, what's, what's your opinion? Go ahead. Well, I just think the safest thing right now, this is my opinion, Yeah, is things you actually own that are in your custody. Mm -hmm. That's my opinion. So, 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 Vandell, in that conversation, and I know that you know this, and, and Randall may not, but the, the, the FDIC actually had, you know, meetings, um, and the one recorded there where they, where they talked about uh, a law that passed, um, about doing bail-ins versus a bail-out. And that came out of the, the, you know, like you said, the 2008 crisis. So there's a, a huge amount of people that really just don't understand bail-ins. And like you were saying, it's supposed to protect people up to 250000 But if they don't have the 250000 it doesn't mean they won't still do the bail-in. Well, I can tell you all about that. So I was a banker for four years. Um, I worked at International Bank of Commerce. 
Mm-hmm. I dealt with the financial affairs of many individuals. I did CDs, certificates of deposits, open bank accounts, close them, moved money around. And then I went to Bank of America. So when I create a, when you create a bank account for anybody, either a savings account or a checking account, business checking account, there's a, you have to read the paperwork. There's a fine print. So within the fine print, it actually says the bank, we, the bank are able to use your funds as required. And you sign that off when you created that bank account, whether you realize it or not. Mm-hmm. So what that means is after the 2008 financial crisis, about I think it was 2010 is when they passed the law where, you know, in 2008, the government stepped in and they saved the banks. They bailed them out. But around 2010, the law was changed and it got passed where banks are no longer allowed to receive a bailout from the government. This is a law that was passed and it's still in place till today. But what they can do is a bail-in. So a bail-in is when the bank uses an unsecured depositor's money, which is basically you, the account holder. We use your money to bail ourselves out and pay off our debt. That's what a bail-in is. So they use your money in your account so they could pay off their debt and get out of the bad situation they're in. And that's legal. They're allowed to do it. And actually, interestingly, in 2012 to 2014, this banking crisis where a bank freeze took place Mm -hmm. and ATMs were frozen and people couldn't pull money out because it was all frozen happened in Cyprus. Mm -hmm. Okay. The, mm-hmm. the country Cyprus, this happened. And then it, you can watch it on YouTube. There's um, video recordings of media that posted it. And you can still find it out there on YouTube, BBC News, where people were standing out in a line. Um, they couldn't get money out. For some of them that could get money out, there was a very limited amount of how much they could withdraw from the bank. A lot of other banks went, they shut their doors. Your money's gone. But you might be wondering, oh, well, what if that happened here in the United States, which it's happened to some banks already? Well, what happens to my money? What do I get in return? Well, the the, the standard protocol for banks when they shut down their doors and they go bankrupt and they use your money as a bail-in to get pay off their debt and save their, their own ass they give you a stock certificate or ownership of that bank. Basically, you have some equity ownership in the bank. That's what they give you. And it's all on paper. So that's that's what happens, actually. So, if you, they own do a a failed, so you own stock in a failed bank. Yes, or you own equity in a failed bank. Yeah. Right, which is which has yeah. it ever been redeemable? Um, There's know, no history. For- for your for your original no. cash. No, no, it's not. And the thing is this, this happened in Cyprus. And then um actually most people a lot of people more than the news even reported, but you could research it and find this information publicly. Most of the people that had huge amounts in bank accounts, and I'm not huge amounts, but I would say closer to fifty thousand and higher, mm-hmm. they lost most of their money. It was gone. 
and the bank, they shut their doors. Kind of like if you get into a, a car accident, you have an insurance company, but the insurance files bankrupt. The insurance company files bankruptcy. Well, they don't, they're not obligated to take care of anything. They filed bankruptcy. It's, it's a done deal. Right. You, you might be on the list of creditors, but you're so far down that the money's depleted by the time it gets to you. So you never get yeah, sold. Exactly. So you're never going to get anything back. And that's the risk of having too much money in a bank and having a lot of money in, uh, you know, money markets, 401k, all this stuff on paper, contracts, um, especially money in a bank. That's the biggest risk because all the indicators and signs of banks failing are all around us. The information is there. It's public. And banks have already been failing. And actually, my brother and I, two years ago, we were warning people about the banks are starting to fail because you could see that they were having liquidity issues. And then the banks start failing just, you know, several months ago. It started becoming mainstream news. This bank, that bank, Silicon Bank, um, even certain exchanges that people trade cryptocurrencies on, FTX. Um, the list goes on. It's because they don't have any liquidity. So all the money they would get, they'd loan out. So what are you at Black Swan Capital? I mean, I don't want to give out secrets. Obviously, people pay pay you for your for your advice. What do you No, what that's do, okay. What do you what do you recommend? Well, we recommend you should only have money in a bank for three reasons. The first reason is for bills and purchases of certain things. Mm -hmm. So bills. That's why you should have some money in the bank. The second reason is have a small emergency nest. Just a small emergency nest in the mm -hmm. bank, not too much. And the third one is if you need to make an investment or you're ready to make an investment or you're waiting to make an investment. For example, you want to buy cryptocurrencies or digital assets or you're waiting in case um, certain stocks have a correction by 40% and you have that money ready to purchase. Mm -hmm. So those are the three reasons you should have money in a bank. For mm -hmm. a, a small emergency nest, if you have um, a certain amount you want to invest in something specifically. And the third one is so that you could pay bills or uh, run your business. Now, where's, where's the rest of your money? The rest of it will be in gold. It would be in silver. It would be in cryptocurrencies, certain digital assets. Okay. And some of it will be in cash in two different locations in a vault. Because honestly, I know it sounds crazy. Cash in a vault is safer than having your cash in the bank because if the bank shuts their doors, mm -hmm. you have the risk and a high probability of you losing all your cash. But if some of your money is in a vault, stored safely somewhere, secure, it's much safer than being in a big bank or in a small regional bank. Well, that is the reality of the times that we live in. It is, yeah. And it's yeah. unfortunate, but... That's the thing. You want to have things in your own custody. That's yeah, where that, you that, have full that, control. That's great advice, Vanda. One one thing before we go, um, because I, I know you and your brother, you know, are well versed in this as well. Our audience, a lot of people in our audience really just don't have a lot of investment capital. But because crypto and, and things like that are so new, you have a lot of things out here that are offering crypto mainly for your time and effort. Is there a few things out there that you know of that we can mention for our audience? Well, the thing is with crypto, there's, you know, decentralized finance, DeFi, there's different ways to make some residual income. 
But personally, I stay away from that for now because okay. I feel that I feel that it's not safe and it's extremely risky until they have some regulations around it to protect a person like you or I that's staking our money for interest or um, lending it out. Cryptocurrencies, you lend it, you get paid a certain amount over time. You know, that whole DeFi staking, those staking programs. I think there's big potential there to make great money. Um, I know people that are personally doing it. They've been doing it for over a year now. A few people in my community. But personally, I don't do it because in my opinion, I rather buy and own the assets and I focus on my residual income through my other external, my other businesses that I have. So I'm focused on cash flow to make a living, to survive, to save up, to invest outside of the crypto space. Okay. For crypto, I'm I'm very much interested in staking and DeFi and lending my crypto and XRP. And that time will come when they'll pay you very well for that. But we're not there yet. And when that time comes, it would be regulated. It would be secure. Just kind of the same concept um, that we've had for the last hundred years. If you put your money in a bank, they will give you an interest of this much every year in a savings account. Well, there were regulations around that. And we're not there yet with cryptocurrencies. But when we are, that will be the best time to step in the game and put your money to work. You could still do it now. But remember, you're taking a very huge risk because the DeFi exchange you're using to lend out your money or stake your crypto. Well, you already saw on the news, some of them went bust. People lost all their money. You tell me, is it, wor is it worth it? In my opinion, it's not. I rather own XRP and or a different cryptocurrency, a digital asset, mm -hmm. and put it on a hardware wallet where I have full control and custody of it. Nobody's touching it. No institution's touching it. Nobody has access to it. When they have regulations, and I, I do my research on it, I know it's clear guidelines, clarity, everything's regulated. They offer programs. Hey, if you have XDC, we want to use it for machine learning. We want to use it for this. We'll pay you this much. I'll be like, okay, yes, I'm interested. I'll lend, I'll stake a certain amount. Say, I was watching one of one of your interviews, and you you were talking about central bank digital currencies, oh, and yeah. and you was, uh, Kenya was mentioned, and a couple of things were mentioned, and you seem not too excited about those. Yes, yeah, um, central bank digital currencies is pretty much a way to enslave humanity. Okay. Yeah, one hundred percent. There is no arguing around that. Um, they could mask the whole thing, and they can you know make up stuff about why it's so convenient, why it's mm -hmm. so good. That's all just, that's just masking its real intentions, okay? They're going to cover it up by making it sound so perfect, so convenient. And that's how you get people to accept it, you know? Because if they really told you the other side of it, that we could control your money, we could shut it off, we could give you guys certain limits with how long you can save money so that you spend it in the economy to keep the economy functioning, well, that's a very scary thing. Right. That means you'll never be able to save money ever again. And you said so the whole programmable aspect of it is, Absolutely. is, is offers this risk because it's, it's money that's conditioned uh, by someone else. That's a very good way of putting it, Randall. Yes, it's, yeah, they have full control. I'm trying to explain it in simple terms so the audience really understands mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. risk behind it. But in essence, you're giving them full control over your money. And I mean full control, where we don't know what other plans they're going to bring out with the CBDCs. Remember, mm. they can introduce it and they could say, oh, it only has these limits. But then as time goes on, they can change that accordingly. 
And most likely they will, because why would they want to introduce it in the first place? We we understand the banking system has too many middlemen. There's too much friction if you want to send money. Mm. Well, that doesn't mean we need a CBDC. It means we need a cryptocurrency that's transparent and interoperable. But see, a central bank digital currency, that's a whole different game right there. Well, thank you so much for letting us pick your brain on and, and share this information with our audience. Um, and it's really it was just such an excellent and far-ranging interview. If people want to find out more about you and kind of what you guys do, what should they do? Yes, absolutely. So if you... Oh, my camera just went off. It's okay. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, we yeah. can. Yeah, so if people want to reach us, we have a website called blackswancapitalist.io. You could reach us on there. Um, we do offer one-on-one coaching and consulting where we could share all our you know, insights, all our wisdom, and pretty much you know, guide people as much as we can and share what we know and get people on the right path, whether it's... you know. Um, wealth preservation concepts and ideas or even you know financial insight for personal finance and even cryptocurrency um, moving digital assets from one wallet to another just everything within that nature and understanding the dark corners of the global economy but you could reach us at www.blackswancapitalist.io and Last thing I'd like to say, gentlemen, is we will never contact people and ask for money. Um, we notice there's a lot of scammers out there pretending to be us, but we don't do that. So just be extremely aware. Well, Vandell, it, it was a real pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Um, we would certainly love to have you and your brother, um, Versan. Um, please tell them hi from us. Um, we would like to definitely. have both of you back at some point in time. We'd absolutely love to. I'll definitely share the message with him. And again, listen, you guys, I love what you're doing. I can't, that can't be overstated. I mean, this is just phenomenal. You guys just keep doing what you're doing, getting the message out there, educating people. Um, It's a blessing. Likewise, my friend, likewise. Yeah. Thank you so much, Randall. Thank you, William, for having me. And um, we'll stay in touch and I'll talk to you guys soon. Okay. You got it. And that does it for this edition of the currency of truth and please remember to support our broadcast affiliate partner glintpay.com where you can buy save spend real gold instantly with glint you can check them out on our website and if you use our promo code you will be able to save money on their services and so thank you for myself and thank you from bill we will see you next time